What is up, all you beautiful heart, soul humans? And Zach, we have a new phrase that we're going to yell at the world. What is this phrase that we're going to yell at the audience right now? <laughs> Make soil great again. <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so what are we talking about, Zach? Oh, we're what talking we about great again. Oh my God. So Neil and I have invented the the future of the world, which is franchise regenerative farming. <laughs> which, franchise which ag. We're we're basically going to we're we're going to like Wu Wei kind of judo flip capitalism to make <laughs> to, to save the world. And we're going to develop a bunch of regenerative farming practices and turn them into franchises all over the country so that we can make the soil great again. None of that Monsanto crap in that soil. That's right. No glyphosates, bro. No glyphosates. No chronic inflammation in the body. No chronic inflammation. That's right. Do that crop rotation. Crop Uh, rotation. Mm. Generative Mm -hmm. soil. Oof. Beautiful. I was going to say this to you. I forgot to say (laughs) 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 when we when we were just bullshitting about this, but um, you know, it hasn't rained in California much this year, so Mm -hmm. water prices are up. My mom, what she does now, whenever she washes her vegetables and plant and like produce and everything, instead of letting that go to waste, it goes into a bucket and and then that bucket goes to our plants. And so whenever like we eat super Asian, whenever we like wash our rice too, like especially that water, because there's a lot of nutrients in the rinsed off um, Mm -hmm. rice goes straight to the plants and the plants are thriving, dude. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, so much shit runs off in the water. We don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Good or bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good or bad. There's probably some stuff in there that we don't quite want in the soil and in the plants, but they're also I was just thinking about it with regards stuff. to like glyphosate and like Roundup and shit. I mean, mm-hmm. like 99% of it, I think is the figure, like 99% of the Roundup that we spray on plants runs off and, you know, goes into the water systems and then like basically kills off all the the fungi and bacteria on the riverbeds and just like fucks up plant life everywhere. And then it evaporates and rains somewhere else. So So you're getting rained glyphosate on you. Yep. Exactly. Even, so basically even organic farms have glyphosate in them. Mm -hmm. The majority of the organic soil is not organic too. Oh really? Actually, yeah, I remember hearing this like just because of this exact reason, like everything is contaminated with glyphosate so even the stuff that's the purest like there's still a level of contamination there it's minimal it's less but i think zach bush was saying we use like 4.5 million pounds of glyphosate every year that's ridiculous yeah and if we stopped using it tomorrow it would take 50 years to get it to get like the the level below toxic that's ridiculous 50 years right you know that's actually not as long as i would expect yeah. It's not as long oh. as I would hope, though. Or it's longer yeah. than I would hope, though. Yeah. And this is why we're taking over America using capitalism against capitalism. Exactly. <laughs> we're going to fucking judo flip capitalism to make the world a better place. Boom, 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 boom. Parts bang, bang, mate. <laughs> uh, oh, all right. So today we are on about like the third retake of this episode. <laughs> That's, I was going to say that. This is take three, dude. Yeah. Snap the thing, yeah. It could have been take four if we tried last night too. I had a feeling my, my brain wasn't going to go. It there. wouldn't. It wouldn't have done it, man. I was no. wrecked yesterday. Yeah, I felt the same way. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I need a. I need a. I need a cauliflower crust pizza, which also Damn. jacked up my stomach too, though. 
yeah. say it did not end up well. Yeah, pizza usually <laughs> is, is a rough choice. It's a gamble. Yeah. I thought the cauliflower crust would have been like, okay, oh my God. And it wasn't we weren't having it. So. No. Sorry. No. Cruciferous veggies, man. Cruciferous. They kick ass. I love cruciferous. <laughs> cruciferous veggies. My dog does too, actually. Really? So Coda eats the cruciferous. Like the only vegetable he'll eat is cauliflower and broccoli. <laughs> Weird. But You're like, eat carrots, your fucking eyes. Yeah. Actually, he likes baby carrots. So every once in a while. My my husky though, he has horrible death perception. Just say like he's either like licking the air trying to lick you, or his nose is just like in your eyeball. <laughs> it's one or the I, other. I uh, okay, so this is about our third take of this episode, and it's about the third different subject that we try to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that, Zachy? Oh, because Zachy was in super feminine mode yesterday to the point where he couldn't. He couldn't think in a straight line, <laughs> put it that way. I woke up um, on the feminine side of the bed and I was just like in deep emotional processing mode basically all day. Yeah, we tried to record an episode. We gave it like a solid 15 minutes. I mean, and, we talked uh, for like two hours first. I mean, we talked for two hours, yeah. And 15 minutes of those two hours were me trying to like explain what was going on on a podcast. Like, and yeah, oh, no. yeah, it was a little raw. It was a little, raw. <laughs> it was maybe yeah. a little too raw. But it was good. And I think that was the whole process, right? Like, I mean, this full moon has been ridiculous for so many people, myself included. Like, so mm. much has been coming out. There's so much transition. There's so much emotions. There's so much big, 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 like, big release. And I think that's like actually it. Like, I think we're all a little bit more in that flowy feeling feminine as we recover from that. Right? That's kind of the healing process, too. Like, you got to go into the feels to be able to move through it. Yeah. I mean, I, I spoke to probably like six or seven of my classmates on Friday, mm-hmm. like between Thursday and Friday, and nobody wanted to do anything. Like we were yeah. all feeling like really, you know, quote unquote lazy. I'm not saying that the feminine is lazy, right? But like doing structured, systematized work mm-hmm. is is antithetical to the divine feminine. And everyone like man and woman included was like, I am not feeling it today. I'm not yeah. feeling it this week. I want to take a break, you know, like that whole thing. I hopped on a business call and we were just both like, this is not happening. Like we're just going to <laughs> chill. Like business mind, masculine mind is not going right now. And I'm actually thinking back, I went to Starbucks that morning and it was freaking popping, dude. And I walked in, I was like, what the crap is happening? I saw one of my neighbors like, dude, why are there so many people here right now? <laughs> and it, clicked in i was actually thinking about this last night too i was like oh yeah it was full it was after the full moon like everyone is there whether we consciously realize we need it or not like everyone's like oh i need a little pick me up like it's Mm -hmm. a it's a slow day a pick me up in like some socialization Mm -hmm. you know i talked to people all day yesterday Mm -hmm. or like i I went actually i should say i went through cycles of talking to people and taking complete silence yeah 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 i was in the silence mode and like i just was not was not there like i needed to kind of be in my cave and build up my energy and take some space to myself so mm-hmm. yeah it was, it was a it was an effort to like balance the masculine and the feminine energies and just be to be like okay like i'm i'm super in this um how can i hold space for it some masculinity do i have any of that in the tank right now 
absolutely not. <laughs> How can I cultivate yeah. it? And it was, that was kind of like, that was kind of the, the way through it for me. So what was it like for you? Like you woke up in your feels and we got in a nice talk, trying to do some work. It wasn't happening, but what was it like in the progression of like going through that day and just realizing, like, okay, I just need to go. What you ended up saying to me was like, I just need to go have some time from heart and go be, mm-hmm. get out and like get to the forest. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, like you said, so I woke up in my feels and usually like when I wake up like that, it's mostly just a process of kind of letting it go, like surrendering it, feeling it, and just kind of like letting it pass through. And the waking up is usually the peak of it. Uh, This amplified and amplified and amplified. So like it, it was there and it was kind of like right up at the surface, kind of bubbling up. And then you and I had this like hour long talk where you held like a lot of space for me. And I was kind of talking about all the things that I was feeling and all the things that were kind of coming through. It was almost like a little session. And as I was talking about it, I was like tapping deeper into this core of emotion and some of these situations and the way that the ways that I feel about them. And I was getting more and more and more emotional. And uh, it got to the point essentially where like you and I were trying to record an episode for the second time that day. And I was like, dude, I can't, I can't do this. Like we were, we were trying to just breathe for a little bit before we got started. And I was like, dude, I cannot talk right now. Like I need to leave my house. Um, and I just felt so like, I just, like, I just needed to be in the energy that was coming out of my heart. And I just needed to like, it, it almost felt like I was energetically crying, even though I wasn't. And I wanted to just go reflect and I was going to go to the forest, but I couldn't make it happen. So I grabbed a couple of books and I went to a, to a coffee shop that I really like. And I sat outside, I sat away from people in the shade and I just like, stared out (laughs) for a while (laughs) and spaced out. And I like read some books that I found really interesting and just like, really, I tried not to look at people around me. I just tried to pull all of my energy inward and kind of cultivate some silence, which is what I really needed. So what's it, I know you mentioned like you talk to a lot of people as well, and you also really needed to honor your own space. Mm -hmm. What's it feel like for you when you're when you're navigating both. Like what's that pull when it's, you know, I need to talk to someone. What's that pull when it's like, okay, I need just time. In my heart. That's a really good question. Wow. You are always so full of really good questions. Um, you, senor. <laughs> see, see. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm talking to somebody or if I'm about to talk to somebody or I have something scheduled to talk to somebody and I feel like this almost like anxiety where I'm like, I don't have, I don't have enough in my tank to access the energy system that this person wants to engage with me with, right? Because you have different friends and you generally know what those people need from you energetically. And when I'm like, I don't have that, that's when I know that I need to like spend some time by myself. Um, And when I'm by myself and I'm fucking locked in thought loops and I'm like, okay, I've processed this. I've processed it to the point where I have the key piece of information or like the key breakthrough that I need, but then I keep thinking about it and I'm just like stuck in a loop. That's when I'm like, I need to get out of my house and I need to like talk to people and hear about their lives and get like a different perspective on the world from the one that I've been living in. Stuck in a loop really stuck out to me. So I want to like pick at that a little bit. Like, what is it like when you're stuck in a loop? Hmm. 
there, I think there's kind of two different ways that this can happen. Um, you know, I have some experience with psychedelics and like you can get stuck in literal thought loops, you know, where your brain is super active. And right. so you think about a thousand thoughts in 10 minutes and then you start them over all over again without your conscious kind of intention. And you go, oh, fuck. You know, I've, I've had this exact thought word for word and then it just repeats the cycle. And yeah. you're like, oh shit, I feel like I'm like literally like stuck I'm in a time loop. On it. You're actually kind of stuck in a time loop. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm actually getting some insight on it. Like you're stuck in a time loop and the only way out of it is to kind of elevate to a different level, right? Because that time loop is all it's the like potential thoughts that exist at that frequency. And then you have mm-hmm. to elevate to a new one to get a different perspective. But with this other form of thought loop, it's almost like, uh, I call it mental masturbation. It's like, <laughs> it's like, I, you know, me, I really like to talk. I really like to explain things and really break things down. And it's almost like I continue to break things down past the point where it, it serves literally any function. Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. And it's like the way that it feels is like, it's taking energy out of my system. It's taking energy out of my body and out of my vitality rather than giving me energy rather than like being in the flow of energy. And I, I, hear that man <laughs> how does that happen i used for you? to be a major i mean the word for that is ruminating for me mm. that like, that's much that better than mental be masturbation major thing for me <laughs> mental masturbation is probably the better one <laughs> you, you mentally masturbate and you ruminate yeah and then you ruminate in it yeah oh that sounds gross <laughs> yeah, energy like is horrible i don't like that at all oh. <laughs> that's the sticky one let's get away from that subject <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. All right. We're done with this episode, guys. We love you. Bye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to let you remain that. Oh, man. That's gross. I, yeah, I, I, you and I are thinkers, right? Like, it was a really, really big progression for me to move from my mind into my body into a feeling state. And I used to overthink everything. I was one of those persons, like, I would just replay that scenario and that thought, that event, whatever, in my head over and over and over. And I'd dissect it and look at it in all the different ways, how else I could have shown up. And, you know, so what you're saying, it moves past a point where it's beneficial into a point where all I'm doing is honestly, frankly, beating myself up. Like, I can feel that Mm. switch in the energy into it where I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm just like, this is me and my wounding and my shit trying to move forward. And, um, it's not it's a point where it's not serving me anymore. And you can almost feel like, right. There's a, if I say the word mental spiral, like, you know, exactly yep. what that is and yep. we can hop right into it. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it's, I think that's a very important piece for us to be discerned, to really use our discernment of like, how much are we just looking at something or mm-hmm. what's, or when have we crossed that line? What's the energy behind what we're doing right now? And are we now in a point where it's almost like, no, it's no longer serving. It's more self-deprecating than anything else. So, so my question for you, you said like, you know, you kind of in this, this mental spiral and you're like beating yourself up. What is it like for you or how do you gain that meta awareness that you are like kind of beating yourself up, be that energetically or actually like just with your thoughts, like beating yourself up. And how do you kind of take a step back from it? The awareness usually comes a little bit after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, after being in the, I've been beating myself up <laughs> mode. And I'm yeah. like, oh shit, I've been like, <laughs> I've really been in it. Okay, it's time to stop. I, it's usually like, you know, if 
scale of one to 10, like five is where we cross that threshold of beating ourselves up. Mm-hmm. Three steps later, when I'm at like eight, we're pushing into nine. Then I'll start to have that cognizant awareness of them. Like, Oh shit. Like this is, this is, I got to stop this right now. Like this is too mm-hmm. much. Usually in my body, you know, I'll probably end up pretty tense. I'll end up feeling drained, right? There's a lot of just energetic, mental, emotional exertion that comes mm-hmm. into that. And as I start to pick that up, then it's time to let go. Like if I just catch myself saying like, oh, I've said the same thing like four times now, this is no, (laughs) that's my sign. Like if I've heard this same story in like words from my mind multiple times, okay, I'm done. Um, And it's forcing myself to actually take a physical step back. So it's, I could just say drop the subject, but the more beneficial thing I can do is take myself out of that physical space that I'm in in that moment and get out and move my body and begin to just kind of separate from that whole, I don't know if the best word to say it is that whole scene mm-hmm. of what was going on in that, you know, in the movie of our lives in that moment. Yeah. God, that's a really good point. I, I, I cannot spend my whole day at home. It right. is, it is bad for me. Yeah. Um, Cause the, the, the energy will get stagnant in the home and then like the, the, the energy gets stagnant, the frequency shifts downward. And then I start pressing those thoughts into the walls. And it's like, I kind of get stuck in this echo chamber where there's just like claustrophobic energy bouncing off the walls basically. And so I need to like, people are like, hey, like, why do you go to coffee shops all the time? It's like, I need to like intermingle my energy with something else that's like living. Right. And maybe if I had like a pet, it would be different. Like if I had something else living, you know, with, with energy moving around and stuff like that, it would be a different story. Right. I'll buy you but, a fish, dude. I got you. God, please don't get me a fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so funny. I was watching a movie last night and the dude tries to pawn off a fish on his buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen here. I got a tank. Uh, let's so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I got you a puffer fish, dude. That'd actually be sick. Yeah, that'd actually be really cool. Yeah, it'd be really fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you really cool. I'll get you a little baby shark. How about that? Baby oh, shark. Baby. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay. So energy, people, clock shops. Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, basically what I'm saying is like, I need to get around life, essentially, be it nature or animals or like other people and just kind of like intermingle my energy with that and then come back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, sorry, go ahead. Honestly, I'm the same way. Like, just to get out, like even if that's just a drive, listen to some music or like whatever it is, just to get out and out of that space and things moving a little bit. Like stale mm-hmm. energy is exactly what that is. Like it gets yeah. stale around you, gets stale inside you, and it's just time to get that energy flowing and moving. And we're not meant to be inside all day. No, you know, we're like not built for that. Nope, not at all. We're meant yeah. to be scouring the forests and mountains. And- Which is so interesting. Like you know, if you think about depression. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we get depressed, like the impulse is to go inside and to just mm-hmm. stay inside and to hide from the world. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I mean, most of the people I know who have depression or who have like suffered from depression, I should say, uh, recognize that their impulse to isolate themselves from the world makes it worse. Yeah. And yet they don't feel that they can overcome that energy and, go out and like interact with people. And it's a mix of things of like, you know, I don't have the physical vitality to do it because of this very low frequency, but also like, I don't want to bring this around other people and like mm-hmm. make other people hold this for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of like a shame and a guilt around that as well. 
That's a really good point. Honestly, I'd never thought about that second point, like the shame and guilt around it. Like I'm thinking back to my time when I was doing one-on-ones and you know, I was at Kaiser doing therapy. And mm-hmm. it was usually more so the first than the latter. But I think I, I just never got to the point where I was unraveling that second piece. Um, yeah. But that's really interesting. That's a really good point. That's no, that's, I mean, it's interesting that we, that we're seeing it from different angles too, right? Cause you, you saw it from the clinical perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was, I was deeply romantically involved with somebody who was suffering from depression and who was right. living in the Pacific Northwest where like, depression <laughs> just a fucking insane. double whammy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you're predisposed to MDD, which is major depressive disorder, and then you're in somewhere where there's like sun Gloomy 60 days tank. a year. Yeah. yeah. Then, uh, it was, it was pretty bad. So, but like, I remember, you know, we would talk about that kind of stuff and I would encourage her to get out of the house and see friends or go to a yoga class or just like whatever, whatever it was like, go to a wood shop thing. Cause she liked, you know, doing wood shop and stuff like that. And, um, she was like, you know, I want to do those things, but I just don't want to be, I don't want to be this around people. You know, there was like embarrassment, there was shame, there was guilt about making other people feel poorly and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. There's nothing you can, there's nothing you can do for somebody like that other than to like come around and love them, you know? And I think about that and it's like, I feel like that's also the projection of that internal emotional process that's there. That's also bringing someone into that depressive state as well. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of those things where like, you know, it's, it's a projection of of what's, what's underneath. So there is something there probably um, that there is some guilt and shame around. And so that's, what's kind of projecting into the rest of our life and how we're interacting with it. It's yeah. continued, continued expression of that emotion. Yeah. I mean, I think if we, I mean, that's, that's really, that's, that's kind of the it's crux true. of this whole thing, right? It's the idea yeah. that the body keeps score, that the body stores mm-hmm. these, these traumas, you know, be they actual traumas that have happened in this life or karmic, mm-hmm. you know, life, whatever. yeah. Yeah. yeah kind Ancestral of like, lineage. Yeah. You know, any of these types of things, um, they're going to stick around until we purge them, right? And our current model of medicine goes, this is a neurochemical dysfunction. So what we need to do is increase happy chemicals, right? We need to make sure that they don't break down. We need to make sure they don't get reabsorbed. Um, we need to make sure that we get that they get released more. Um, and we work at it, we we work on it at the level of molecules rather than and, you know, we did the we did the best that we could with the time that this that these pharmaceuticals were made, but we didn't understand at that time when we made the paradigm is that the mind and the field controls the DNA, and the DNA is the blueprint for the structure of our bodies and of our of our nervous system. Right, so if we can shift these energies, if we can clear these energies, then we can elevate our frequency, we can make epigenetic modifications to our DNA, or that's a that's a that's a molecular physical way of saying we can clear our karma and then allow our bodies to form new synapses, to produce new proteins, to make more neurochemicals and restore ourselves to harmony. We go like, oh well, there's not proper connections in the brain, or there's not enough neurotransmitters being made. So there's a physical cause for this. This is a physical problem. And it goes like, 
yeah, well, you don't understand that the field is what dictates matter. This physical problem is a symptom in and of itself so, yeah. of, of a mental, emotional, spiritual problem. Yeah, it's the deeper you know? underlying issue. This depression is, a, yeah, depression is a symptom. Anxiety is a symptom. And what we're trying to do, right? Like we were saying, like, it's almost we're just trying to flood that symptom out. And here's all your happiness. Shove, 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 shove in and just try to flood out all everything else. And it doesn't mm-hmm. quite work because that's still sitting there. And that emotion, that energy that's there is going to continue to wreak havoc until it's given the space that it needs. So yeah. you and I are going to talk about emotions all fucking day. And it's mm-hmm. feel your shit because if you don't, you'll shove it out. You'll shove it down and it's going to cause even more havoc. And then you're just kind of stuck in it. And that's almost, that honestly is right what depression is. Like things are heavy and stagnant and mm-hmm. there's some, and I'll say it's like, it's like a ball of emotional weight that just drags everything down. And that's what I think what you're seeing when like, when you get depressed and people want to just be alone and they can't do anything else. It's almost like the body saying like, Hey, like, stop, you don't need to do anything else. Like feel me, feel me, feel me, feel me. And then we can start to do some shit. And that's what happens, right? As you start to do the emotional work and healing, it frees up that space for energy to flow and vitality and life force to come back in. And you can start to be able to make those mental shifts. You can start to be able to do some of the physical things to take care of yourself. It's really fucking hard to do that first. That's interesting. Um, I was actually going to take it in another way. Cause I, cause you know, I largely agree with what you're talking about, which is like, mm-hmm. feel your shit, right? Like I talk right. about it all the time. It's like, feel it to get it out of your body. Um, these emotions, they can't, you know, our, our identification with them is what claims them and holds them in our physical system. Cause we're telling our body we need them. Right. When mm-hmm. we, when we identify with them, what we're telling ourselves is we need this energy, keep it uh, with, with like really deep depression. Um, and this is, once again, this is just an N equal, this is an N equals one of watching, you know, my ex go through this, which is like, she couldn't stop feeling it. Yeah. And that it was, was the problem, right? Like she, she, I think like for some of these emotional states there, so actually in David Hawkins work, he talks about this, right? He talks about like the letting go technique, but prior to that, he talks about repression, suppression and expression of an emotion. Right. And he goes like, if, an emotion is too much for you to use this letting go technique up front, then you need to like express it to get some of it out. And, and I was reading this book yesterday called uncommon therapy. And it was like uh, written by somebody who studied under Erickson, mm-hmm. um, Milton Erickson, like one, like one of the kind of the godfathers of modern psychology or modern psychiatry. And it was, it's kind of like a, it's a book on his different psychiatric techniques on Erickson's psychiatric techniques. And he's talking about these different cases that Erickson had. And in one of them, there's a couple of cool ones actually, but in one of them, for example, this guy was like a very successful businessman, like a hedge fund manager or something like that, um, lost his fortune. And he started to have really, really profound anxiety and depression and had this motor tick um, a motor tick is like when you do something involuntary and he was taking his hands out, like facing his chest and they were in front of his chest and he would pull them towards his chest and push them away and just kind of like oscillate his hands back and forth. And so Erickson got him to just, he like kind of judoed him, you know, he was like, keep doing what you're doing, but just do it up and down, you know, push your hands up and down. And then he asked one of the nurses at the psychiatric hospital to put a pe- put pieces of sandpaper in his hands and then put a piece of wood in between him. 
and he had the guy sanding wood and he made some, some productivity. So he made, he made this guy, he allowed this guy to create and create something to create something productive with this psychiatric ailment. And within a few months, the guy ended up making wooden chess sets and then got himself out of the hospital because he was like feeling like he could engage with society again and be a productive member. And then, then the next year, this is back in like the forties. So in the next, the next year he made like $10,000 in real estate. So, you know, in the forties, that was a lot of money, but like he, he took a behavior, like he took that emotion and and made the behavior something productive so that the person Mm -hmm. could like take a step out of the emotion to feel it. Yeah. I love that. I think I thought it was amazing yeah. that he thought of that. It's it's like it's like this energy wants to come out of you one way or another. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's overwhelming feelings, or it turns into something more physiological, and mm-hmm. you get a tick. And that's the energy trying to move. So what can we do with that? Right? Let it become productive. That helps the mind. That helps that emotional release. That energy being able to really move out of the body. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm guessing that tick also stopped too, as that really be was yeah. able to express and, you know, that energy was able to come out of it. Yeah. And I mean, the kind of the way, the, the way that I see that is when you take something that is happening autonomously or autonomically, um, if it's something like a movement, then if you do what Erickson did, which is you go with it, you give, you do a yes. And, and you start to take conscious control over an unconscious process, then you can start to work your way backwards into the problem, right? You found yourself a a gateway or an access point into the problem. And I think one of the things that we're kind of talking about here is like, there are some emotional states that are light enough or moderate enough or whatever that you can just sit in them and feel them. And then there are some- Some where you just fucking can't. You, yeah, you, re- you require some level of distraction in order to actually feel it. So for example, like if you're feeling really sad and you go through a walk and you go for a walk through the forest, like some of your awareness and attention is engaged with walking, is engaged with looking at trees, hearing birds and that kind of stuff. And then you can kind of process the emotion on the back burner. So you're not just diving into the deep end of this too heavy emotion um, it would be like if you, if you had a pot full of like really, really, really boiling water or like a, a, like a, um, an instant pot and it's like steaming something, they have like a, a steam release valve on the side. Like, cause if you didn't you do the, the steam switch, release valve, yeah, it's going to explode yeah. out and it's going to fucking give you steam burns and it's going to shoot food all over the place. And the, the lid is going to fly off and probably break something, you know? So it's kind of like that you're using like a steam release valve through movement and through engagement with life. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's really being able to acknowledge like what level of it you're in and what your needs are at that point, which also mm-hmm. doesn't really exist in Western psychology in the way when yeah. we treat it. It's, there's different modalities. There's different situations that they're best for, but it's not really broken down to this extent, this extent. but it's also because it's so fucking individualized. You really can't <laughs> at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I think that's looking at yourself, right? You can do this yourself. Like you're looking at yourself and where I'm at, where you're at and what is it you can handle. And sometimes maybe that's playing around and figuring it out until you can. Like, okay, can I try to move? Can I just get a walk in? Is that too much? Do I just need to sit here? Okay, what does that mean? Like, do I turn on a movie and just make myself cry or sit in silence? Or maybe I just need to like let myself journal. 
can I drive myself to a park and just sit somewhere outside? That's like not, and it's not in the same home where I've been stewing in my thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. can I get a change of scenery? Can I go to an animal shelter and be around some animals, like something living? Like part of it is like that, you know, if you look at it from the scale of consciousness that David Hawkins outlines, like these lower emotions, quote unquote, are not life-giving. They're life-taking. Like they need, they need outside energy to keep themselves going. Um, they're destructive, right? So to go and be in an energetic exchange with something that is living is important to, to get vitality from something. Um, I would, I recommend nature. I recommend trees because the same place. Yeah. they can alchemize this better than animals can. Yeah. You know? Animals will really have to carry that, which is difficult, but you can also just really absorb that too. Right. I mean, go hug a tree as hippie as that sounds like there is pure, pure, pure magic. And that a minute of hugging a tree will really just pull so mm-hmm. much of that weight out of you. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, Movement hug, therapy, hug man. Zach. <laughs> I don't want to carry that, but I love y'all. Free hugs, yeah, um, love you guys. <laughs> and movement, right? That's that's always that's always the number one for, for especially if we're looking at like a less intense, low grade. Like I'm just kind of stuck today, or feeling kind of down, or just heavy. Like movement, it's about moving that energy, as well as the physiological work that comes from it. But that's that's the core. It's just allowing that stuckness to find some flow in one mm-hmm. way or another. Yeah. Yeah, man. I can't even describe to you the amount of times I get like irrationally angry um, and or frustrated, I should say. And the only thing that helps is movement is like doing some yoga or like going and working out or even just stretching. Like it's kind of like I get this frustration because like my muscles feel like they just want to fucking move. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I release some of that nervous stored energy in them, you know, I feel so much better. Right. Yeah, this is this is Neil and his love yin yoga, <laughs> where I can just sit in the pose and just let it all melt. And there's oftentimes emotions that will come with that. For me, that's actually not enough for me, honestly. I have to like engage my muscles, otherwise uh, it stays. Yeah. On the other way, I have to let it relax and like just slowly release or get some deep tissue work, mm-hmm. which is actually a big one. Like if I roll out my chest and it's a point where I'm like really tight, it's just one of those times. It, it feels like I'm going to cry. Like there's, there's so much energy just stored in that tissue for me. That's always the number one spot for me. You know, it's interesting. I think there's something to that because my buddy who's a chiropractor was telling me about a practitioner that he had met, not a chiropractor, but like some other somatic, work, some other somatic worker that he had met. And he's not like a woo woo guy. Like he's, okay. he's like very, he goes to a school that's like very evidence-based and like if you can't show him data, he's like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Right. Right. But he still has seen enough stuff where he's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but like, Mm -hmm. maybe we'll figure it out someday. And he was, uh, this guy was like working his fingers through somebody's chest, kind of like how you, you know, like you do like the little walk with your fingers make it look Mm -hmm. like a little person. I mean, he was kind of doing that and like palpating, which means feeling like the, the muscle. And he was actually feeling for like the lymphatics which I don't even know how you do that. You would have to have such fine tuned fingers because the lymphatics are like really, really small, thin walled vessels. And he like found a, like a really, like a kind of a pocket of clogged lymphatics and like released it in this person's pec, uh, their chest muscle. And the person just started sobbing. And it wasn't that it was painful. Like it was painless. It just just moved it. And the person just released all of this 
these yeah. tears. Yeah, this had this this major emotional release from that. That's cool. All of a sudden, I really want to go see my chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> That's also one you'll see too, right? It's like when, when people. I, I love watching chiropractic adjustment videos, and they just like. That, that's a thing for me and you always see the reactions it's like either really really happy pure bliss pure release or someone's just sobbing their face off mm-hmm. and there's so much just energetic emotional gunk <laughs> that we carry in our bodies in all of these different ways and so there's so many different ways to release it you know it's really just finding the right way for you or what i love is a little bit of everything and this works through the different layers of it and all the different ways you can do we can begin to access it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was I was kind of going off in my thought spiral and just thinking like w- one of the things that really fucking frustrates me about medicine, about allopathic medicine, is their war against chiropractic. And to be fair, chiropractic is not well regulated. Like you could have somebody who is just a shit bag of of a practitioner, and then have somebody like my buddy Albert, who is like very evidence based, like right. takes great pride in his work you know, we'll not just do, we'll not just like walk around and just do the same adjustment on everybody. He palpates every fucking vertebrae in your body, takes your joints through a full range of motion and does like a real accurate assessment of what's going on. Um, but medicine just shits on all chiropractic and it's always the same argument, which is like, oh, you're going to get a vertebral artery dissection. And for like our listeners, like there are two arteries that run up the back of your neck and they actually like tunnel through the the bones of your spine that are in your neck like there's these little holes on the side and the the arteries actually go up through that like they're kind of being held by it um and it sounds kind of reasonable at first when you think like oh you're twisting the neck and you're cracking the neck and if the vessels are up in the bones like that then they can get cut and they can get sheared but there's for it's it's so fucking dumb for two reasons right one of them is science and the other one is common sense the, the, I'll use the common sense one first. When we go into the cadaver lab and we, or like, or even when we're doing surgeries, we clamp people's arteries with like vice grips mm. to get them to not bleed. And that doesn't cause damage to the arteries. Like they're very thick and tough. Right. And we think that doing a really, really quick of the neck is going to cut a fucking artery open. It happens in like, I think one in one in a million or like one in 4 million people or something like that. One in 4 million neck adjustments. They've done actual studies of how much shear force, which is like angular force it takes to actually rip one of these arteries. And it is like astronomical. Like even if you did a neck adjustment improperly and the way that you're supposed to do it is to like slowly get traction on the bone so that you actually don't have to move the joint past its range of motion. And yeah, you don't even need that don't much force. Want it, like slammed. <laughs> yeah. You just put it to where it's right about to pop. And then you just put like a really quick and actually very light, light. force that, that cracks the, that subluxes the, or not subluxes, but causes the cavitation of the bones. Um, the actual force that you need to cut a healthy artery is more than any human grip could produce. Like if you took your mm-hmm. fucking a long fingernail and tried to press it into the artery, you wouldn't be able it's to fucking cut it. Yeah. yeah. Our bodies are resilient. <laughs> yeah, it's resilient. So We're the only time that actually fine. happens is if somebody's fucking artery is like, I fucking beg you to, to touch <laughs> Take me, me bro. Out, man. <laughs> yeah. And like that artery is going to fucking rip if a breeze blows past it. And right. this person happened to see a chiropractor. Yeah. So I'm sorry. That's a fucking tangent. It just pisses me the fuck off that 
medicine is so holier than thou. And they're like, we fucking know everything. And they're just fucking killing as many people as they are helping, you know, Jesus. Yeah. It was totally related. And the audience doesn't know, but this, you and I both have had gripes with someone being holier than thou this week. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so that's, that's not the first time that those exact words have come out of one of our mouths to each other. No. Yep. 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 That brings up like, I was, t- I was telling you, you know, one of, one of like my biggest, not fears or anything, not, it's not my, one of my biggest fears, but like one of my pet peeves is arrogance. Mm-hmm. And I was telling one of our friends about this, like, you know, I was getting really, like maybe a week ago, I was getting really frustrated seeing arrogance all around me. You know, I was losing my shit. I was getting really angry. And, uh, you know, it's, I usually think of it, it's like, well, you know, I see that I have a huge potential to be arrogant. Like a lot of the thoughts that go through my head are like, arrogant thoughts there's some of them are self-defeating some of them are arrogant some of them are balanced um and she goes somebody whose opinion i trust very much and she goes like did you ever wonder if you're getting angry at people who are arrogant because you know that you are more intelligent than them or that you know that you're more capable than them and they're taking up more space than you and you know that they're wrong and you're right and i'm like fuck and she was like you should be arrogant and i was like "Ooh, interesting So I'm trying to like actually hold your confidence, step into it, bro. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to push myself to actually be arrogant a little bit and yeah. like play with that and see what that feels like. It's kind of uncomfortable. So that's what I tell people when it comes to actually, I mean, that's not what I'm getting to is what I tell people in this sort of situation. And I talk about this a lot when it comes to um, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you wouldn't have these thoughts if you were fully ready for it. You wouldn't be in this place where you're getting pushed into stepping forward into that if Mm -hmm. you couldn't hold yourself well in that place. Because you have this grounding force to you, that humbleness that's going to not allow you to become so arrogant where it's a place that it's non-conductive, where it's not good for you or others. Mm -hmm. So you being able to step into that is going to be very empowering and it's probably never going to be a point where it's overly arrogant that's kind of old our old processes speaking through but it's a really interesting point you know i'm I'm reflecting on it now that you're talking about it and like i wonder if you know the range of behaviors that i consider to be arrogant like the lower range of that might not actually be arrogance right um that doesn't mean that it doesn't trigger people but it might not actually be arrogant right like it you know it might be that I need to practice arrogance so that I can see what is true arrogance and what is just like confidence when you know that something is right. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it's a fine line between both two, right? Like confidence yeah. versus arrogance. It is. It's a very fine line. Like I get when somebody is saying something that is wrong, if they're saying something that's wrong and they like are uns- uncertain about it and that's clear and they're like, you know, humble and they're like kind of like i think this is how it works blah 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 and you can tell me if i'm wrong or whatever you know even if they don't qualify but you can just kind of tell from their energy that they're aware that they're like just trying to give advice that they're not 100 sure about that's fine but when somebody is like blatantly stating something that i know is wrong it fucking drives me nuts. <laughs> nuts and like as i get older i'm getting a lot better at just checking people and being like actually it's this and just like you know i don't have like i'm as i get older i have less finesse like i used to want to like be like <laughs> oh, you know, I see what you're talking about. And I think that like what you mean is blah, 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 blah. Right now I'm just like, 
no, like <laughs> you're fucking wrong. Stop saying, stop talking. Like, you know what you're fucking talking about. You don't right. like, if you don't know, say you don't know, that's fine. Like that's fine. There's no Just crime in saying don't you try don't know. Bullshit me for your own yeah. sake. Your ego stroke. Don't lie to people. Cause you're going to hurt them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so it's, I think it's like a, it's like a fucking righteous indignation <laughs> where I'm like, you don't, you don't deserve the level of like attention and trust from people that you're getting. Cause you're fucking lying to them and you're lying to yourself. Yeah. But yeah. that's why you have the ability to yourself or right, fully step into that because that's, you at your core like you're always going to speak and stand for truth and good so you're not going to cross that line god i hope not you know like i think we all and if do. we do then we're s- supposed to and there's a lesson in that but like it's you're not going to live in that yeah and, you know yeah, we we'll always we'll check this too so i think everybody does this like everybody does what they think is best right mm-hmm. like always we always do what we think is best we always do what we think is true that doesn't mean that we're always right. Um, and so with regards to that, I'm probably gonna have to come up against that too, where I say some shit that I'm almost, that I'm positive is right. And it's not, <laughs> and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh fuck, you know, this very thing that I just railed against on the podcast is like coming to fruition. Right. But I think that's kind of like, are you willing to take the consequences of that? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to admit after somebody corrects you that you're wrong? Right. And be and like, if you're not, that's the arrogance versus the yeah. confidence. Mm, interesting. That's a good point. What's one of your pet peeves? Mm, this is not about people this is about me i hate having to fucking look for parking it drives me up i hate circling around and just like i just feel like Uh, i'm in a fucking rat race it it, drives me up the wall it it's like one of those moments where you realize how fucked up society is you're like at a mall and you're like i'm here to consume and i'm driving around and i'm like fighting with other cars for parking spots in this hot fucking parking lot dude there's like nothing that makes me hate humanity more than parking Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> You're fucking and then right. to go into like a CVS after that, where it's just like piles of fluorescent oh. light and chemicals, and you just see people who are dead in their souls, and I'm just like, oh my god, what am I doing in my life? <laughs> I know, and there's like those little fucking fake, like those little stuffed animals that are just like, like you, like useless, not even cute little stuffed animals that are like all over the place, and it just has like a particular smell to it. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like the CVS or like a Safeway, they all have like these particular smells to them. It's like artificially sweet. Yeah, it's like artificially trying to be nice. And then at the same time, it's laden with like chemicals and everything. And <sighs> it's, then you just see like all the piles of like for sale chocolate and chronic inflammation waiting to happen. This is why we're doing regenerative agriculture, bro. And like <laughs> 10,000 different types of face soap and shampoo and all this shit like that. And you're like, we need like three. And the majority of those will also continue to cause you some major inflammatory issues because yeah and so will the plastics gunk yeah and all the shit like that yeah and you just walk through and you're like this is what's wrong with society and then you buy a gatorade <laughs> i told you we were gonna go on a rant and cuss some shit out this week oh i knew it yeah, you're <laughs> i told right. you were gonna do it you're right this is not what i thought we were gonna be fucking talking about but yeah not whatsoever at all we were talking about doing a heart meditation yesterday Mm-hmm. look at us now like yo fuck you all <laughs> it's like that paul red jeffrey he's like who would have thought we we're gonna end up here not me yeah, not me but here we are and so we're yeah. standing in it so this is the human side of heart soul human it's okay you gotta mm-hmm. have some issues with with the world to be able to really bring some big big love into it even more how about that yeah yeah you know i'll, I'll say this before we we end when i was younger i used to think like i used to be so obsessed with like legacy right? And like building something that would 
that would like make me known or something like that. Right. And I was like, well, there's all these things like I should be. And also just kind of realizing that there's so many problems in the world and like thinking that I needed to fix all of them. Like, oh, well, I need to do more to be better for the environment. I need to do more for, I don't know, whatever legal injustice and you, you name it, right? Like all these different things. And I just came to realize that like you, you can't make yourself give a fuck about everything. You, you have to just follow the fucks that you already give and like trust that if you stay committed to listening to yourself and not backing down when you're afraid that you will actually contribute to the cause that you give a fuck about, you know, it's only when you give a fuck about it and then you don't do anything. Right. But if you give a fuck about it and you don't know what to do, but then one day it just clicks and you're like, Oh fuck, I should do this. And you, you know, go do it. Then you, you made it, you've made a difference. Like you've made the difference you were meant to make. And if you are giving fucks about all these things you don't actually give a fuck in, you're just completely overextended. You don't have space for your own needs, your own fucks. Yeah, exactly. These two fucks over here just loved each other and wanted to talk for people. And Mm -hmm. here we are. Yeah. Second iteration of what we do. All we're doing is hanging out, talking from our hearts. That's right. We're not out fucking ourselves. Nope. We're out fucking each other. That's right. And letting you all enjoy the magic of that. We're coming out and fucking each other. (laughs) <laughs> from our hearts and our souls <laughs> so sensual feed me strawberries neil <laughs> oh i will actually i have the strawberries i'll get some nutella on for you too extra special ow ow oh mm. and i'll pour some sugar on you baby mm. don't get me started okay uh, we won't get you started on that note we're gonna get things ending so right. we love you all thank you for tuning in for our episode of debauchery and Everything that we've covered today. We love you. I love you. Zach loves you. Zach, how much you love him? Tell him how much I love him. How much you love him? I love you guys about as much as I love coffee, which is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And I'm thinking about coffee right now. Yeah. His kidneys will tell you the same thing. He, he loves yeah. coffee a lot. My adrenals probably look like raisins. <laughs> We're going to turn him back into walnuts for you. <laughs> My adrenals okay. look like SpongeBob when he was in Sandy's dome. Life Patrick, I need water. Oh, <laughs> all right, folks. All right, everybody. I love you 3,000. Stay blessed. Blessings. Blessings.